The Z-Ball podcast is a casual conversation that occasionally delves into mature subjects and may contain vulgar adult language. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Z-Ball Podcast and our first NBA podcast since the beginning of the season in late October. And on the line, joining me from Pasadena, California, Akshay. What's up, brother? How you doing? What's up, Doc? Um, pretty good, my friend. Pretty good, you know. Pretty good. Just coming off of a hard day at work, but uh, it's all good, you know. All right, yeah. I'm sure uh, everyone has uh, the same feelings. I'm looking forward to the weekend after a long week of work. Exactly, but uh, let's get straight into it. Uh, basically, the NBA trade deadline came and went. Uh, a lot of big names were expected to uh, go out and be dealt, but uh, ultimately the biggest name dealt during this trade deadline was DeMarcus Cousins, and it happened a few hours after the All-Star festivities ended in New Orleans. Uh, so DeMarcus Cousins ended up getting traded to the Pelicans along with Omri Caspi, and the Kings received, in return, Buddy Heald, Tyreek Evans, Langston Galloway, New Orleans 27, 2017 first-round pick, which is top three protected, and the 2017 second-round pick of the King, of the Pelicans, excuse me. So overall, what what are your thoughts on the trade, Akshay? You know, this trade just came out of nowhere, dog. I mean, I never expected it, but I think Sacramento got pretty much... Uh, they got uh, the lesser end of this three. Uh, I don't know why they did it. You know, I think there's a. Uh, I think, um, in my uh, opinion, I think there's some uh, management and, and the owner were on the on the same page. I think the owner wanted to. Uh, I think he wasn't. His mind wasn't made up on the trade, but management wanted to get him out. And then, uh, so I don't know, dude. You know, it's. Uh, I mean, uh, Marcus Cousins is Marcus Cousins, you know. I mean, he's the best, one of the best uh, interior players in the game, you know, and, and he's young, you know. And then, but the problem is, he's also a knucklehead, you know. He has, uh, he can lead, he's one of the leaders in the league in technical fouls, you know. He makes the stupidest plays at the wrong at the wrong times. So it's uh, sort of give a take, you know, in this situation. I mean, with him and Anthony Davis in New Orleans, that could be a very uh, scary tandem together. You know, I, it's going to be difficult in the beginning to learn to play together, two big guys, but I, I think once they find out um, each guy's uh, the rhythm, you know, so to speak, it's it's going to be, they're going to be a nightmare to defend or let's go against, you know. But uh, Sacramento, on the, on the other hand, dude, I mean, they did beat uh, the Nuggets last night, you know. I mean, maybe the trade will work out in a way, you know. Maybe it won't, but only time will tell. Yeah, definitely great points. Uh, to start off with, uh, Sacramento, I mean, seems to be like the worst-run organization in the league to me, uh, probably along with the Knicks. And, I mean, uh, Vlade uh, mentioning uh, after the trade, shortly after the trade occurred uh, that he had a better offer, and but... He realized then, uh, after getting the offer from the Pelicans, that uh, another offer wasn't, they weren't going to get any better offer going forward. So he just decided to pull the trigger and end the six and a half year run of DeMarcus Cousins in Sacramento. And it's been a very tumultuous run filled with lots of coaches, lots of players, lots of different point guards, lots of different teammates for DeMarcus Cousins. But uh, obviously, we know, like you mentioned, he's very talented, one of the most talented players and young players in the league. But the question remains with him: uh, now that he's on a better team, uh, a playoff contending team, does uh, does he really show that he's a superstar, or he's just on a bad team and he's a bad team, good stats type of guy? So, what do you think uh, for the Pelicans going forward? What well, about their playoff chances this year? Do you think they have any chance to make any noise? 
they definitely have a chance to make some noise, you know, but uh, I think the problem is that they gave away what uh, Buddy Heald, uh, Terry Evans. So I think they got to get some guards, you know. They got to they gotta get some, uh, some quality playmakers somehow, you know. The trade deadline passed. That was their major trade. I don't know, maybe they could pick up somebody in, uh, up the waivers, you know. Um, maybe somebody on a, a 10-day contract, but they got to get more... Uh, more production from there, you know? Because uh, this is not going to mesh right away. You know, I mean, especially bringing in Cousins right at the, um, at so to speak, halftime uh, of the NBA season. And then now him and Anthony Davis have to get on the on the same page pretty quickly. You know, and then that's kind of a little hard to do, uh, I would think. But I think they can, um, they can definitely make some noise, you know? I mean, because uh, it's like I said, you know, they're going to be extremely hard to defend. But the problem is, do they have any um, any um, exterior guys in like uh, like guards or or a point guard that can uh, be consistently good? You know, that can sort of uh, um, sort of take um, I guess uh, I guess the teams um, minds off of these two guys. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Other than Drew Holiday, I don't really see any other guy on the Pelicans at the guard position. But uh, another another thing I want to get into, um, now that DeMarcus Cousins is clearly the second best player on his team, how do you think he reacts to this? And uh, how long does it take him to start bitching and whining and moaning about his role and touches and so forth, this type of stuff? Do you think that uh, comes... I, think, uh, I will think... I think it's going to take at least uh, a few games. You know, then he's... Because he has to realize he's not the man there. Anthony Davis is the man. You know, he has to realize he's he's the Robin of the of the two. You know, and he has to realize he has to. He'll get his touches. You know, but uh, Anthony Davis has to get the touches first. But I will think. Uh, I think it, it, it's only been one game. You know, I give it another three, four games before before he starts getting a little anxious or agitated. You know what I mean? And then we'll see some maybe. A, Okay, I mean, he's already leading the league, like you said, I think 18 this season, so or 17 or 18. But uh, my overall opinion, uh, consensus on this trade, uh, overall a good trade for the Pelicans, but uh, in terms of uh, making them a contender, I don't really see it doing much, even going forward, just because of... Uh, I don't think DeMarcus Cousins is going to be as dominant as he was on Sacramento, just because of the the theory of less touches and kind of an expanded type role. Uh, it's more of a sacrificing type role. And I don't, I don't know if he's really willing to do that. I don't know if he has the basketball IQ, the self-awareness to do that and kind of accept that type of role. So that's what I question when it comes to DeMarcus Cousins, not his talent, but more so his, his judgment, his IQ. And I think that's going to be a big problem. And his ego's, like like a lot of other talented players before him, I think is really going to be, become a problem in New Orleans, and I don't think Alvin Gentry is the type of uh, guy to control that ego as their the head coach of the Pelicans. So uh, they might make the playoffs, might win a game against the Warriors, but uh, it's not really going to. They're not really going to do much for the next four or five years, in my opinion. So uh, excuse me, what were you trying to say? Sorry. Well, no, no, I was just saying, dog. It's just. Uh... You're right, you know, I mean, uh, Alvin Gentry, is he the coach that's going to manage these two egos? I don't think so. You know, I mean, let's not give him, let's not uh, understate him. Maybe he is, you know, but uh, going right now on paper, I don't think uh, he's the right coach. Only time will tell. Okay, definitely. It'll be interesting to see how uh, those two big men mesh in uh, the Big Easy New Orleans, but... uh, Besides that, not much. Uh, Paul George was expected to get traded. Jimmy Butler, Carmelo, all of them stay put at the trade deadline. Uh, what do you think of kind of uh, what was the biggest trade? I mean, who was the biggest name? I mean, I guess besides Cousins to move, was it Ibaka or Nerlens Noel? I think, right? I think it was Ibaka, pretty much. I think uh, Toronto made a good trade. You know, not only that, they picked up uh, Ibaka because they knew. Uh, Cleveland's hurting. They knew they were they're about what five and a half games now back of Boston for the second spot. So it's um, 
what do you call it? They, they need to they, they have to do something. I think if Baca gives them uh, that sort of uh, the post presence that they're missing, mm-hmm. sort of uh, the guy that can that can give you like ten uh, boards, maybe ten points a night. You know, and um, I, I also liked the pickup they uh, that uh, the other guy they picked up from the Suns, PJ Tucker. That guy is very underrated. You know. Um, a very underrated guy. He's a guy that's going to do all the dirty work for you. He can defend, you know. Then uh, I think that's another great pickup for them. Besides that, I I think um, besides that, I also like the oh, OKC's trade. Uh, they traded what Anthony Morrow. Uh, 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 the, the official trade for that was uh, Cameron Payne, Morrow, and Joffrey Laverne to Chicago for. Uh, for then the Thunder received Doug McDermott, Taj Gibson, and a 2018 second round pick. Well, see, the, the thing is, I like about that trade is uh, Taj Gibson is another very underrated player. He's that guy that's going to sort of fill that Ibaka role for them when he was there. And um, Doug McDermott is a guy that can hit, uh, that can hit down three point shots, especially with the Thunder. That's what they're lacking. You know, they don't have that because. Russell Westbrook is going to constantly drive in the lanes. He's going to give you open three-point shots. And then, yeah, as a team, you need to make at least the minimum half of them. You know, and I, and I think that's what they were lacking uh, as a team. And I think McDormand sort of fits that role. So I like that trade. But um, other than that, dog, I mean, I didn't see too many other trades out there. You know, there were rumors going around about the Celtics interested in, in Butler, Interested in, um, um, uh, well, I, I, the guy from the Pacers, I forget his name again, Paul George. But th- those didn't materialize. I, I think, uh, from what I read, that, um, pretty much those teams were just asking for, for way too much from the Celtics, which, which was like, I think they wanted three of the four, um, three or four uh, role players. So pretty much like, out of the four of, uh, you had Marcus Smart, you had uh, um, Jake uh, Marcus Smart, I forget the names, yeah, Marcus Smart, Avery Bradley, um, Terry Rozier, Jay Crowder. Yeah, Terry Rozier, Jay Crowder, and they wanted the 2017 Nets pick. I think that's still going way too much, and I think that the, um, I think that Ainge did a, a right call by not falling for that because uh, during summertime, those teams will get more desperate and their asking price will go down. You know, by the, by summertime after the NBA season, before, um, I, actually not after the um before the NBA draft, uh, that's, uh, those prices will definitely go down. And then uh, I, think, I think that was a good move by Ainge, but I, I think they're just asking way too much. All right, yeah. In regards to the Ibaka trade, uh, Raptors, uh, I mean, they're going to be one of the top three, four teams in the East going into the playoffs, in my opinion. Uh, so Ibaka definitely helps them defensively, like you mentioned, one of the best, better shot blockers in the league. And he can also stretch the floor and knock down like 16, 17, 18-footers. And he's uh, he's become a better passer. And then, like you mentioned, P.J. Tucker, that gives him another guy to uh, kind of throw at LeBron along with... Uh, Damari Carroll, right, uh, if they ever face the Cavs in a series. And I think P.J. Tucker and Ibaka give them more of a physical force uh, up front to deal with uh, the Cavs' uh, front front court with LeBron, Kevin Love, and Tristan Thompson. So exactly. it makes them more physical. It helps them on the boards. It helps them defensively. So I think good job by the Raptors. Masai Ujiri uh, done a great job at the trade deadline to get uh, Ibaka and PJ Tucker, but uh, another uh, kind of trade that you mentioned that I want to get into, uh, basically the Doug McDermott trade to the Thunder. Doug McDermott, Taj Gibson going to OKC along with the 2018 pick, and the Bulls getting Cameron Payne, Morrow, and Joffrey Laverne. Uh, basically, the Thunder uh, obviously gives them another shooter and a guy that's at least competent defensively in Doug McDermott, but he's kind of been underwhelming in his young career so far. And uh, it seems like uh, Jimmy Butler and Dwayne Wade, the two uh, 
top leaders of the Chicago Bulls were kind of growing frustrated growing frustrated with him at his, he was not growing and not uh progressing like they thought he should but uh Taj Gibson uh, I think is a good pick for pick up for the Thunder uh good energy guy rebounds plays with a lot of heart and I think he's really going to help them up front with uh Steven Adams and Enos Cantor and so forth and it's really going to help them I think but like I mentioned I don't think they're a serious playoff contender but let's see. Other than that, I mean, not many other trades. The one other trade that we didn't mention that's probably like significant for a contender is Lou Williams getting traded to the Rockets, one of the better six men in the league this so far this season. And the Rockets send Corey Brewer in a 2017 first pick, first round pick, back to the Lakers. Uh, do you think uh, this uh, ultimately helps the Rockets uh, contend more with the Spurs and the Warriors of the world? You know what? Um, I forgot about that trade. You know that that was a great trade by the Rockets. It gives them another scorer. Uh, I think this that trade was primarily done for the Rockets to to compete with the uh, with the Warriors. You know because they needed uh, they needed more scoring. They needed more a guy that can uh, sort of uh, create his own shot. Sort of uh, give you a good uh, like ten fifteen points a night. You know, I think that was because of that. And I, another thing, what, what the Rockets? We'll see what happens. Because um, I think that I read today that a center forget uh, out of um, the Warriors, Andrew Bogut, uh, he was waived in the trade. He was a part of the trade, or something. I forget, but uh, he's going to be a free agent. He, I think he's. I think I read somewhere that, that he's going to choose between the Cavs or, or the, um, the Cavs or the. Uh, or, or the Rockets, but if the Rockets get him, they, you know what? That's even more of an arsenal they have. I think that was. Um, I think the Rockets are. They know they want to win now, you know, and uh, I think they have a good team. And uh, I think with the addition of um, of Lou Williams, is is definitely going to help them. Okay, definitely, it should be interesting to see uh, what happens there with Bogut. I, he got dealt to uh, to Philadelphia and. The Mavericks receiving Nerlens Noel in exchange. So I mean, I thought for sure Carmelo was going to get traded. I I was really shocked that he he wasn't dealt at the trade deadline. What do you think happened there, and why do you think he was ultimately stayed put in New York? Well, I think it's because uh, I don't know. Maybe because maybe because um, uh, maybe because he didn't want to get traded. I think maybe he maybe he had. Uh, um, that's what I'm thinking. Maybe um, behind the lines, he probably didn't want to get traded because uh, he wanted to just stay his uh, career in New York. Or maybe it's... I know, I think um, there was one point I read a few years back that um, his wife uh, wanted to always be in uh, in uh, the New York area for her career-wise. So I I, I don't know if, they, if that had anything to do with it or if that played any role. Or maybe um, the offer that they got for other teams wasn't that great. I mean, um, with Phil Jackson up there, who knows, you know, who, what the deal was. Yeah, I mean, uh, those are all good points. But I, I just think, uh, ultimately, we all know Carmelo has a no-trade clause in the most recent contract that he signed with the Knicks. And then he had mentioned the only couple teams that he would waive a no-trade clause to go to was Cleveland or the Clippers. And then Cleveland... Uh, and rightly so, was not willing to give up love for Carmelo. And I think that's the right move. But the Clippers, I mean, uh, it was just basically turning into guys like Rivers, a package between with Jamal Crawford. So they weren't even including J.J. Redick. So I just think uh, when it coming down to it, I, I think the Knicks front office, along with Phil Jackson, did not want to unload Melo unless they're getting some concrete pieces uh in return for him. So I, I just think that's ultimately where the deal fizzled and the Clippers, uh, if they were willing to give up Redick, I think would have been able to get Carmelo, but I think uh, yeah. they, they weren't willing to let go of Redick. I think that's ultimately where the deal, the deal uh, ended up falling. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So uh, that's, uh, that should probably do it for the trade deadline. I mean, uh, Paul George, uh, well, 
he was uh, in a lot of talks. I mean, do you think he ultimately ends up in the late on the Lakers, uh, which is a, a rumor going out there right now? I think there's a possibility, but the thing is, a lot of things have to be um, in play because uh, I was listening to him because he's still on the contract next year, and then the following year he has a player option. Uh, so the thing is. Uh, what Indiana is going to have to do is well. The well thing is okay. It, it goes two ways, you know. It's like uh, Paul George has to make up his mind. Number one, if he wants to stay with Indiana or move on, because if he does move on from the Lakers, it's going to cost him about seventy million dollars to move on. With the, I think there's a new rule in the CBA. Yeah, I was listening to the show yesterday. Something about um, uh, I forget the name of the. There's some new rule where that it's like you're if you're one of the main players or something and with a team for some time and if you end up leaving or something you lose a lot of money and in this case it's not like 10 15 million dollars it's like almost up to 70 million dollars that he'll lose potentially if yeah. he does leave yeah the new verbiage in the the new cba probably it's probably something like uh the teams that uh originally drafted you are able to give you a higher contract and obviously that that extra year and obviously more amount of money so uh, yeah, with the rising cap, uh, he stands to lose a lot of money if he does decide to leave Indiana. But uh, he's an LA native, and I think LA is very attractive to him. So we'll see what happens. What were you gonna say? Sorry about that. Oh no 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 problem. Dog. And then, see another thing with that is that um, with that is still a long time away. You still have another season uh, before he before he, he he does have his player option. So. It's still a long time away. During that time, he can always change his mind and re-up with uh, with the Pacers, you know. But the thing is, another thing is you, you got to look at on the Laker end. If I'm the Lakers, it's like uh, if I bring this guy over on the Lakers. Lakers have what? They have uh, Ingram. They have Russell. They have uh, Randall. You have three guys that uh, in a couple of years you have to give them back contracts. We had to decide, you know what, are we going to keep the guys or are we going to let them go? If you keep them, you, 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 you're going to pay them money. you got to pay them, you're, you're looking about uh, about $20 million a year, minimum for these guys. Or, you know, so that, that that's three guys. And then if you have three and you bring in Paul George, you're paying the money he wants, there goes most of your cap. So that's another thing the Lakers have to look at. If they want to bring in Paul George, I think most likely one of those guys or maybe two have to go. Okay, yeah, so that's... that's I think yeah. that's another thing the Lakers and their organization, Magic Johnson, Genie Bus have to, have to definitely think of. Yeah, I mean, that's... Uh... Even, if, even if you get to Paul George, let's say if you get Paul George to come over with those guys, you're still not going to get out of the West as the top seed. You'll be one of the, of the better teams, but you still won't get out of the West as top seed. So you really have to look at, are you going to mortgage your future for that? You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of interesting decisions to be made. Uh, it's a lot of great points. But, uh, that's a great point there. But uh, I just think the Lakers are going to make some sort of big splash uh, in the next couple of years. I think, I don't know if these young guys are working for them. And speaking of the Lakers, what, what's your whole take on the the Magic Johnson becoming president of basketball operations and so forth? Uh he stated that he doesn't even know how the CBA works and everything. So, wh- what's your whole take on it? Uh, do you think he just got the job because of the brand name? I think so. I think he got the job of the brand name. I think Genie Bus just pretty much said, "Hey, you know, we need a change," and uh, that's what I think. In a way, it was a lot of a PR move. You know, I mean, magic is magic. But don't get me wrong. You know, NBA legend. You know, <laughs> but. Uh, I mean, but as far as, like, uh, him coming in uh, as president of uh, player operations, then the, the GM they pick up was the um, sports agent becomes a GM, and it's sort of like, I mean, nothing against the guy, but um, the thing is, how much experience does the guy really have? You know, yeah, you, you might be trying to attract some players by bringing him as a GM, but... Uh, but you got to understand the rules now in the league have changed. The rules now in the league, the league has put more. I mean, yes, it's um, the salary cap went up, but now the league is more. 
the league wants to get more competitive. So those days of bringing in high, high-priced uh, 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 veterans paying them a lot of money is those days are over. You know, you have to now. It's sort of like the league wants you to like draft players and groom them. You know, um. So we'll see what happens. You know, I mean, it was definitely a good move, I think, because the Lakers sort of have been dormant for the last uh, how many years. But the thing is, it was Magic the right guy. Only time will tell. Now, I don't think real Magic will turn out to be a front office executive, good a front office executive. Excuse me. I think the better. Better hire is Rob Palenka for sure, the GM that they just hired. And I think he's actually a really good hire for them uh, for reasons above that he's an agent. He's been an agent for about 16 years. Obviously, his biggest client being Kobe Bryant and his biggest current client uh, being James Harden. Uh, He knows the inner workings of the CBA. I'm pretty sure he knows that thing inside out. He's developed established relationships through his uh, clients with GMs, front office execs. And basically, uh, also, he's developed relationships with players, agents throughout the league. So it helps uh, the Lakers get free agents in the room, makes it a lot easier for them in that in that respect. And then also Magic with his brand name, they get a little bit of advantage that way as well in bringing free agents. But ultimately, I, th- I think Magic put himself in a good position because I think if the Lakers... <laughs> complete a a turnaround and become contenders again i think he's going to get most of the credit when really i think it's going to be palinka making the big moves and making the front office decisions that are really going to matter but i think magic will get the credit which is kind of unfair but uh we'll see what happens there and then i mean look with the dodgers you know the dodgers he was uh he was uh i forget his role they brought him in at the same role at the pr role and then the Dodgers' success is like a lot of people accumulated to Magic, but it really wasn't Magic at all. It was more like uh, the Guggenheim brothers who owned the Dodgers and the decisions they made. Yeah, I, mean, I think in that same role. Yeah, Magic's kind of like a Jay-Z with the Nets, kind of like a minority-type owner. He owns like a yeah. very small percentage of it, but <laughs> we'll see. I mean, uh, that's kind of another thing that kind of troubles me with this magic move i mean he's got a lot of other stuff where he's involved in so i don't know how much really attention he's going to put to this lakers stuff other than just being a big name and being one of the greatest players in lakers history so should be interesting to see but uh let's kind of take a look into what what's what are your expectations of the second half uh we'll start in the east uh cleveland at 40 and 16 currently number one uh do you think anything any team can seriously challenge them in the East? At this time, I think the only team, I mean, um, right now, um, I think Cleveland is definitely um, sort of licking their chops because uh, Boston didn't pick up, uh, um, uh, didn't pick up, uh, uh, what's his name again, from Chicago. Look at the guys, ah, I forget his name. They didn't pick up uh, him, and they didn't pick up Baltimore. So, yeah, yeah, there we go. So I think Cleveland's sort of licking their chops because they definitely, uh, they definitely um, feel much uh, a relief right now. You know, I think, I think with Boston, it's like it all depends on their health. You know, with uh, if Avery Bradley comes back healthy, if they play as a team, then they can do something. But uh, it all depends on that. But. I wouldn't overlook uh, a Toronto. You know, a Toronto with those two pickups has become really, they've become a threat now. You know, and I think with Cleveland, I mean, they're still the favorites in the East, but um, a lot has to work out. You know, a lot has to come back. He's, he's out six weeks, and in those six weeks, what's Cleveland going to do? You know, they can't play. Are they going to play LeBron a lot? The problem is when you do that, you're going to end up, um, he's going to end up getting tired in the playoffs. So they so they have to sit LeBron at some point, you know, and then by sitting him, will that cost them the number one seed, or do they care about the number of seed in, in the East? You know what I'm saying? So there's uh there's a lot of different ways this can go. Yeah, that's true. I mean, Cleveland uh, obviously offensively look has looked great. I haven't really liked how they've been playing the last couple of months defensively. I mean, they've been. 
even terrible teams have just been putting up uh, crazy offensive-type games against them, and I think that's something they really need to sure up uh, heading into the playoffs. But uh, Boston, I think, is the only team in, in the East that has a chance, in my opinion, to possibly beat Cleveland in a series just because uh, how Isaiah Thomas has emerged this season, averaging near 30 points a game, probably one of the top five MB- MVP candidates in the league so far, and uh, the highest fourth quarter scoring in the league, and he's just been fucking great. Uh, I mean, how um, have we ever seen a guy 5'8", five, 5'9", five, uh, that's as good of a scorer as this guy? I mean, what he's doing is just incredible. You know, I've never seen that. It just It's just amazing what he's doing, especially doing it in the fourth quarter. You know, it's like he's the king of the fourth, as they say, you know, are the metaphors. But it's, it's sort of, it's amazing, dog. It's always amazing what he's doing, being 5'8", five, 5'9", five, like you said, and maybe like 170 at best, maybe 175 at most, you know. It's, it's, it's just, it's incredible what he's doing. It's just, uh, i never seen it, and I don't think um, it's very rare that they sort of, you see a player like that. You know, I mean, well, Boston, um, with him, yeah, he, he's definitely there, and it depends on what Boston, <coughs> excuse me, it, it depends on what Boston, if they can get a reliable second scorer behind him, if one of those guys can, can step up and when it, Avery Bradley comes back, if he can put in 20 points a game like he was doing before, Boston definitely has a chance. And if they, I think there was a rumor that they might pick up Terrence uh, Jones, the, the guy who was weighed by Houston. They can pick him up. You know, that's that's even better. You know, that guy can, uh, he's about 6'9". He can be that sort of defensive presence in the middle that they were looking for, the shot-blocking guy that can rebound. And um, he can score some points, say, hey, you know what? That that puts up in the uh, that puts him in the category. You know what? A team that can definitely give the Cavs a challenge, depending on the Cavs' health history, you know, uh, with his players and so on. And Boston can definitely win the East. Uh, definitely. And what as a Celtics fan, what's your take on this whole uh, Celtics uh, Wizards rivalry that's kind of a uh, brewed up, been brewed up this season? I think the Wizards wearing all black to one of the the games that they played during the season. What's your whole take on that? You know, I I don't think too much on it. You know, because the Wizards are the Wizards. I think uh, when teams are sort of below other teams or they're they're playing catch up, they're gonna play all these all these little mind games. You know, that they're gonna do. The bottom line, just come out there and play, and um, let's see what happens. You know, all these little mind games, I don't think it's sort of... I think maybe in college, that's sort of something that might uh, stir up something with uh, teams that can, uh, I don't know, what's the word? It can sort of, uh, can sort of, uh, how would you say, uh, can sort of uh, give an advantage. But yeah, I think in the NBA, most of these guys, they're, I don't think it really matters. Okay, what what are the Wizards' chances? I guess I mean they looks looking like right now they might most likely meet with Boston in the semifinals. Uh, they're play they've been playing really well uh, as of late, and John Wall has been playing very good this season. Bradley Beal has stayed relatively healthy, and Otto Porter has come on. Uh, what do you think? Uh, how do you think they stack up in the East Eastern Conference playoff picture going into the playoffs? What do you think? Well, I think they're. I can definitely say that they can definitely be uh, the third uh, team in the East. It depends on whether or not they can beat Toronto. You know, um, I like uh, the Toronto pickups. You know, but um, I think with the Wizards, it's, it's definitely if they can beat Toronto, they can definitely be third team in the in the East. I still think there's. Um, I think still think the Wizards need. Um, I think they just need more of. Uh, I guess if they have like, let's say you put Isaiah Thomas on the Wizards, then, then I would say, hey, you know what? They definitely have a chance. I think they just need. Uh, they need like some sort of uh, a go-to scorer, someone that can take over the game in a way. You know, I, I know John Wall is good. Don't get me wrong, but I don't. 
I haven't seen enough of him to be that sort of uh, a sort of like um, a sort of uh, a Kyrie Irving sort of role that can take over the game or Isaiah Thomas or so on. You know. Okay, definitely. I see. Yeah, he's more of like a versatile type guard, kind of like a get his teammates involved, uh, get Bradley Beal involved in scoring, Gortat. Marcus Morris, but I mean they have a pretty good starting five, so I, I'm definitely looking forward, and I hope to see that series in the second round in the East, Boston versus Washington, with that little rivalry that's brewed up and the little animosity that's between them. But another, another team I kind of want to get into in the East. Uh, they've been a very mediocre this team this season, but uh, very interesting with the inner dynamics that that have been going on between the young and old players and then Rondo calling out Dwayne Wade it's the Chicago Bulls sitting at 7th place right now in the east what, how the hell does what the hell has happened to Rondo i mean since the whole uh Boston big 3 has fell off uh kind of dissipated what the fuck has happened to him i mean he's just become a laughing stock in this league well the problem with Rondo dog is he has his ego about him you know he has an ego bottom that's going to, like, he has to be, he has an ego that was started in Boston, you know, and I think with um, Boston, you had the heavy veteran presence. You had uh, Garnett, you had Pierce, you had Ray Allen, that sort of kept him in check, you know, but then uh, that sort of kept him in check, and he has this sort of, like I said, he has this sort of ego bottom that he has to have the ball in his hands, he has to be the the decision maker, he has to be the one calling the shots. I think when he went to Sacramento, it sort of walked out. Um, it sort of worked out in the beginning, but then later on, it sort of faded away. You know, he became the public enemy. And then now in Chicago, it's the same thing. You know, I don't think he he meshes well with these guys, especially Wade and Butler. You know, I think. Uh, but uh, at the same time, I think Wade and Butler have their own issues going on, I don't think they were the right mentors to this guy, and they didn't keep him in place. So I think Rondo is definitely something to do with his ego. I think that, unfortunately, the problem with that is that he came out strong when he was at Celtics, he won a title, but now he seems to be that everything's going downhill. Alright, that begs the question... That begs the question. I mean, Chicago's got to be definitely got to fucking wave this guy, right? I mean, and is there any, is there any team that fucking wants to pick him up, or no? I don't know. At this point, I don't think anybody... Well, I mean, some team will pick him up. Some team that needs a point guard we definitely will pick him up. But the thing is, you got to pick your poison. You know, he, are you going to uh, keep him as... Uh, yes, he's going to come in, he's, he's going to score your points, he's going to pass the ball. But does he care about his assists? Does he, does he care about himself more than the team? You know, that's the question. And... I mean, we'll see what happens, uh, but I, I don't think Chicago is going gonna, is gonna to wave him. I think Chicago is at this point. They're the seventh seed. I don't think they're going to get out of that that role. I think they, because they just traded uh, McDermott, they traded uh, Gibson. I think they're in a sell mode. And it, I just think Chicago, I don't know what they were doing. I don't know what uh, the management was doing. They should have definitely traded a butler to the Celtics. I think they were asking for too much, and... That's why I didn't go through, but they should have, I mean, I mean, if a team is offering you the first, potentially a top three pick in next year's draft, which is a loaded draft, you know, top three pick and a good chance to get the number one pick, is like, I would, if I'm a team like Chicago, that's my way of going anywhere, I would, I would jump on that in a heartbeat, you know, because that sort of give me a player that could potentially be a franchise player that I can rebuild the team on. But asking for like uh, three role players and then uh, three uh, um, three good players on the Celtics and then and asking for the pick, I think it's just like you're sort of uh, you're sort of asking for way too much, and n- no one is in the right mind is, is going to trade with you for that. You know what I mean? Okay, definitely. Uh, that's all great points. Uh, so moving on into the Western Conference picture, uh, is there anyone that's ultimately going to challenge the Warriors? What do you think? I think the the only two teams right now that can challenge the Warriors are the are the Rockets and the Spurs. You know, and it, it comes down to I mean the Warriors. It's like it, the Warriors are the okay. They live by the three. They're gonna die by the three. You know, I mean, um, I don't see besides their outside shooting. They don't have an inside game. 
You know, and I think that when it comes down to the playoffs, it's a, the game does slow down. It's not as fast-paced as the regular season. If the game does slow down, and the Spurs play well. The Spurs play defense, you know, and then they, the Spurs play defense, they can get in the face of the, of the Warriors. They can cause, uh, those shots will definitely be contested. It's not going to be open three-point shots. You know, and I think this, the Spurs definitely have a, have a great chance to beat him. And with Houston, you know, with picking up Lou Williams, uh, if they pick up Andrew Bogut, that's even better for them. You know, because they can they can surround Harden with more weapons. You know, and then uh, Houston is a very dangerous team. I would consider them the wild card in the West right now. You know, because they can go off any night, uh, scoring a lot of points. They don't play defense. That's their sort of Achilles heel, but... If they can score, hey, you know what? Um, that will definitely get you a win. Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I think the Warriors, I mean, uh, they've obviously had a little bit of a learning curve, uh, getting adjusted and everything. But Durant, had, to me, has clearly looked like the, the best player on the team so far. And that's not any surprise to me. So I, I didn't really, like I said, when he initially made the decision, I don't begrudge him for it because he can ultimately become the best player on the Warriors, and he has done exactly that. And the Spurs, I mean, they haven't skipped a beat since Duncan's retirement. Uh, they've looked absolutely great at 43-13 and 13 right now and sitting in second place in the West. Uh, an interesting team that started off great uh, but has kind of fizzled uh, in the last couple of months, kind of went down. The Clippers, uh, they've had just dealt with injuries to Griffin and Chris Paul, excuse me. What do you, what do you see for them ultimately? And do you think this is their last playoff run as with their core group? Well, I don't think it's a last playoff run. They they definitely can retool, but something has to be done. You know, I mean, Chris Paul is going to sign back. He's not going to give up two hundred million uh, and go somewhere else. He's going to re up with them. Uh, they got they have to come to a decision. You know, they got to get better shoot. I mean, they don't have, uh, besides Redick, and then uh, I don't think they have any other great shooters. I mean, Jamal Crawford is there, but uh, how much uh, can he do? I mean, besides that, I don't, I don't see what else, uh, what else they, they have, you know. And I think they need to sort of um, decide on something. You know what they do? I think they need more of. Also, they need to, they need to bring in maybe a different sort of. Uh, um, they have to go a different way, a different approach, you know, because they can definitely score points, you know, don't get me wrong, they score points, they can beat you. But the problem is, is like when they, they eventually have to play the Warriors and they're 0-4 against, against them this year. So it's like when you play the Warriors, what are you going to do different so that you can win? It's like the game plan you had so far, those four games, hasn't got you a win. You know, because they definitely can... Um, they definitely can 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 beat the Warriors inside, but when it comes to outside shooting, the Warriors kill them. So I think they have to figure out something. Will they will they get somebody? Um, I mean, this season they're they're definitely not going to win the West. It's not going to happen. So I think they definitely have to figure out something in the off season. Whether you trade um, you trade Griffin or somebody, and you and you bring some sort of more like. Uh, or role players, or more shooters in, you know, or um, or they go with a different approach, and they uh, maybe they um, maybe they bring in another star player, you know, like maybe they, they go after Carmelo in the offseason or something, but something has to be done. All right, definitely. I think for me, for the Clippers, it ultimately comes down to their health. That as long as they can keep uh, their team intact and they move going to the playoffs uh, relatively healthy, I think they have uh, one of the better starting lineups in the league. But and that doesn't guarantee that they're going to win, uh, make a deep playoff run. But they're definitely going to compete in the West, in my opinion. Whoever they play, it's going to be an interesting series either way. But uh, I mean. Other than those four, three, four teams, I mean, not really much in the West. I mean, do you see Utah as a, kind of a fringe contender? What do you think? They can definitely do, uh, do some damage, but when it comes down to, like, a seven-game series against one of these better teams, I don't see them winning those. They, they might win one, two games in the series, but that's pretty much it. 
I think Utah still needs. I mean, they have great players. Hayward, uh, Favors, I think is still there. Um, but I, I just think they don't have the right personnel just yet to uh, to to beat the elite teams in the West. Okay, fair enough. Uh, uh, I guess moving on from that uh, into the MVP discussion, uh, who do you got so far? Who do you think has been the MVP so far this season? Dog. I mean, <laughs> right now, there's just so many names out there. I, I can't really pinpoint one MVP in the season. I mean, I, I can think of, like, um, I definitely think of Isaiah Thomas, the way he's playing in the fourth. He's definitely um, a one to consider for the MVP. You, know, you want to look at maybe, uh, you can look at uh, um, Stephen Curry. You know, you, you can look at Durant. But the thing is that is that are they really um, are they just because of, of the system in, in Golden State? Because they're they're surrounded by shooters who can shoot and all that. Is that is that why they're considered? I don't know. You know, I mean, it's really up in the air right now to see who it is for a favorite. So I really wouldn't say ah, I really don't have a favorite here as of right now. Okay, uh, fair enough. Uh, for me, it's got to be James Harden. I mean, he's just playing absolutely excellent in Dan Tony's new offensive system. And then I think followed by him is probably LeBron and Russell Westbrook. And LeBron, I mean, he's just been uh, excellent once again. I mean, well, you know I, I think I think we kind of take LeBron uh, for for granted sometimes because he doesn't uh, exceed the expectations that we put out there for him. And obviously, Russell Westbrook averaging a triple double has been amazing. But you know, I totally forgot about Westbrook. I think the person who deserves it is probably him because of what he's doing. The MVP. You know, I mean, the triple double is averaging the just just what he's doing. He's carrying Oklahoma City by itself. I mean, by himself. So I think. Um, I want to change my answer a bit, and I have to go with this point. I have to go with Westbrook. Okay, that's a fair point. So it'll be interesting to see how how that plays out at the end of the season and uh, how the Western Conference and Eastern Conference standings end up going into the playoffs. But uh, kind of some other uh, few other topics I wanted to get into, kind of off-the-court, trash-talk type stuff. Uh, First, uh, we had, uh, as we know, uh, Shaq has the Shaq in the Fool segment on TNT Thursday nights. And uh, the probably the most uh, loved, the most shown guy on that segment is JaVale McGee. So it seems like uh, JaVale McGee has kind of hit back at Shaq now, and uh, and they went on a Twitter war last night. Uh, wh- what do you think uh, ultimately about that Twitter war, actually? You know, I really don't know too much about it. I don't really. Uh, I just found out about today. I mean, tonight while I was just reading the news. You know what? It's, it, it, the media is the media, you know? I mean, the media is, is what it is. I mean, Shaq, you have to give him credit because Shaq at that time, he was, I think he's one of the most dominant centers ever in the game. And what he did is his pure size-wise and what he did, and no one could defend him. You know, but Jamal Begee at the same time, it's like, <laughs> I mean, at, at times, the guy played like a clown, you know, to be honest. <laughs> he sort of... Uh, Keep a lot of blooper reels, you know. I mean, the media is media. Shaq's going to say what he has to say. Uh, McGee's going to is going to fight back, but at the same time, he just has to. Uh, I think McGee has to sort of, you know what? Uh, you need to just calm down and um, sort of accept what what these people are saying and just sort of ignore it, you know, because they're they're paid to, in a, in a sense, they're paid to see these comments. You know what I mean? So it's just like uh, you as a player, you're a veteran player, you're playing now on the uh, Golden State Warriors, which have a great chance to win the title. You can get a ring. You know, I think you, just, you sort of need to uh, keep your mouth shut. You know, just uh, just let it go for now. Okay, definitely. Uh, it turns out the situation was so bad that uh, the the Golden State Warriors reached out to Turner Sports to kind of meet ha- – step in and mediate uh but uh let, let's give you a let's give you guys a couple highlights of the twitter war uh all right so Sha- a couple of snippets uh shack uh, at shack 
by JaVale McGee. Get my penis out of your mouth and head. And then Shaq responds, don't be acting like you a G, little smack. I'll smack the shit out of your bum ass. You're the one that be looking stupid with your dumb ass. And then uh, Durant even came, uh, Kevin Durant even came to JaVale McGee's defense in this situation, saying Shaq was a shitty free thrower shooter. He missed dunks. He airballed free throws. He couldn't shoot outside the paint. He was bigger than everybody else, didn't have no skill, but he was bigger and stronger than everybody, and he's still a great player, but you had your flaws too as a player, and you played on five or six teams too as a player, so it's not like you were this perfect center. You had your flaws too. And Shaq responded to that. I understand you sticking up for your teammate. That's cool, but your boy JaVale McGee is still a bum. He started it. I'm going to finish it. So uh, what what is up with Shaq and kind of getting in beef with these center guys? I mean, he he had a, a whole spat with Dwight Howard. I mean, it seems like he's very sensitive. He takes a lot of stuff personally. He had, a, I think, a little kind of battle with uh, Dan Lebetard, a reporter for ESPN radio show host last week, last year, excuse me. So what what's uh, Shaq's whole problem with getting sensitive about uh, media when he was a player and still getting sensitive with media even when he's uh, a member of the media as a, on Turner Sports. What, what do you think that whole situation is about? Well, I think it's like this, dog. You know, I mean, Shaq was Shaq. Shaq was one of the greatest centers in the league, you know, I mean, ever, what he did, you know. He won multiple titles, you know. I mean, he was dominant. No one could stop him. You know, I think that whole uh, thing was he was Superman pretty much. And uh, I think he gets sort of offended when other players come out make comments saying that they're dominant, they're the they're the all-time great, and so on, you know? I think sort of Shaq is... It's kind of funny, you know? I, I actually think it's kind of hilarious in a way because Shaq puts other people in their place. You know I mean? It's like you can't come out and say stuff like that. You know? I mean, you have to sort of back yourself up. I mean, it's just like, it's like the same thing as coming out and saying... Uh, I mean, all these players come out and uh, they say, oh, I'm the greatest, but it's like, dude, Look at yourself compared to, like, um, Michael Jordan. Look at yourself compared to, like, Bill Russell. Look at yourself compared to, like, all the all-time greats in the past. You know, are you at their level? You know, so I, I think in a way, Shaq, that's where he, he's coming from. You know, with the whole uh, McGee thing. McGee already made himself, he made himself, um, I mean, his years, yeah, I know he's been the year in the league for years, but he's, already sort of made himself into a laughing fool uh, with all the stupidity he's done so far in his years, you know? All the uh, the blooper reels, so to speak, you know? So, so I think Shaq, is, like I said, it's the media, he, he's going to do what he's going to do. But, I mean, like, with Durant coming and uh, making comments in Shaq, it's, it's, it's just kind of whack. Because what has Durant done? Durant has done crap, you know? I mean... Durant's, uh, Durant hasn't won a title. Durant, uh, he's, he's always come up when he was in OKC. He choked in the fourth quarter. You know, and then he goes to the team that uh, that uh, it defeated him in the playoffs. You know, and he goes to, and he comes to best friends with the guy that is that, that actually loves, uh, <laughs> loves the, the word penis so much. And in Draymond Green, who, who probably is uh, a gay man himself, you know, <laughs> with always kicking people in the balls, you know what I mean? <laughs> so it's sort of like, uh, so it's sort of like, you know, it's sort of like, um, I think it comes down to it's, um, I don't think it's more so Shaq. I think Shaq's just doing what he's doing, but Shaq's always been like that. You know, he's always, ever since in the league, he's always been like, he's that kind of sort of a funny personality. He's a guy that's not afraid to make comments. You know, and I think that, these guys, McGee and, and Durant, all that, they just, um, they're sort of felt insecure about, about Shaq's sayings, and they're, they're just, they're fighting back. But, I mean, it's all good in the game, you know? But I think that, um, I think, uh, I mean, it is what it is, you know? I think that, uh, but uh, I think they need to sort of calm down a bit, you know? It's, it's just part of the game. It's trash talking. People are going to, no matter what you do, people are going to say something about you. Okay. Uh, speaking of one of those guys you mentioned, Draymond Green, uh, it seems like he was jawing a bit with Paul Pierce last night uh, in the Clipper Warriors game, saying that uh, you're chasing that farewell tour. They don't love you like that. You ain't no Kobe. And then Paul Pierce, after the game, responding uh, on Twitter, 
73 wins and you thought you was going to win a title that year. 3-1 lead. Oops. Yeah. So, <laughs> What's your whole take on Paul Pierce, Draymond Green? Uh, what do you think? I think there's no... I mean, I think it's just Draymond being Draymond Green. He just... Um, he just and an insecure person. Draymond Green, from the bottom, he's just very insecure about himself. And that's what... He, and when you have insecurity, dude, that's what you do. You... you you try to put other people down to make yourself feel, to make yourself feel better, you know. And I think that's what exactly what he's doing. I mean, there there's never bad blood between them. It, it, it always started because um, the Clippers and and the Warriors had bad blood, and then he has to Draymond Green has to go say something to somebody, and it just it just happened to be Pierce's farewell tour that he has to open his big mouth and say something, you know. And then I think he sort of got put in this place where. Pierce comes back and is like, what has Draymond Green done? In, uh, in a, I mean, he, he's only been in the league a few years. He's not like an um, NBA veteran. You know, he's been in the league. He's, he's, um, he has the chance to play on Real, on one of the greatest teams. But what has he really earned in the league? He hasn't earned anything yet. And for him to shoot his mouth out, I, I just think that's a little too much. You know, I, I think Pierce came back with, with one of the best comments and sort of... Uh, and the truth is sort of like, he, yeah, Pierce is no Kobe, but at the same time, Kobe is, is no MJ. You know, MJ is no Bill Russell, or he, MJ is no uh, Will Chamberlain. So in, in the same way, it's sort of uh, what he's saying is uh, is sort of irrelevant, is all common. You know, he's just saying that I think it comes down to his insecurity about himself. You know, and I think Pierce's comment, which came back and said, you know what, three one choke choke. That's it. That was um, I think Pierce got the better point because in reality, that's exactly what happened. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it's not like um, I mean Pierce. Yeah, Pierce. He only he won a title, won, but at the same time, Pierce stayed with the Celtics. He pretty much stayed with the Celtics all his career, and he wasn't the one who has to be traded. Ainge traded him so Ainge can get pretty much. Um, um, I um, uh, so Ainge can pretty much rape uh, uh, the nests of their other draft picks. You know, Ainge took advantage of that, and Pierce was part of it. He got a chance to play for a title with the Nets. It didn't work out, but you know that's all part of the game. And yeah, I mean, I think uh, Draymond Green. I mean, yeah. I, what, what's I mean his problem? I mean, do, do you think he's going to stand in the way of the Warriors winning another championship? I mean, it just fucking boggles my mind at how stupid he is sometimes with his attitude and his ego and some of the stuff he pulls in these games. I mean, I think he really puts his team at risk with all his antics, his shenanigans, and from all the smart guys that he has in the organization on the team, like Clay Thompson, Stephen Curry, Kevin Durant, Steve Kerr, his coach. I mean, it fucking boggles my mind that he has no self-awareness to kind of pick up the basketball IQ, pick up good habits from these guys. What do you think uh, ultimately is the cause of that? I mean, do you think his ego is just too big? you think he's stupid? He just doesn't get it? I mean, what ultimately is it? I think he's insecure, dog. I think that's what it is. I think it comes down to insecurity. He's just insecure of himself. I don't know what it is. Maybe he's insecure of his biggest size. Who the hell knows? You know? That's why he always re- refers to uh, uh, that word. And, and he and he likes to kick people in the balls, you know? Okay. Does, that's what it comes down to. Just, do we see more ball kicking in the playoffs this season? Uh, and does he does that ultimately yeah, if, yeah. give him a, get him a suspension again? Well, I think now it's, it's come to the point where I think now it's come to the point they'll give him a suspension, but I think what the league should do, I mean, in my mind, if he does it again, they should just kick him right out of the game. Simple as that. Because that thing is not, it, it's uncalled for. You know, I mean, that whole ball kicking last year against OKC, if the league um, kicked him out of the game and did the right thing, Golden State would not have been in the finals last year. OKC would have been the finals. And Durant would not have gone over to Golden State. So, I mean, it sort of goes to say as far as, like, I mean, yeah, it is. You're sort of um, playing with, like, uh, uh, saying, like, uh, you know what, this would have happened, that would have happened. But I think that's what the the case would have been. I think the league has to come out strong. You know, because he's just a fool. I mean, if you look at the guy, he's just 
he looks like a clown, you know? I mean, just his antics, the way he talks, he can't even talk correctly English. You know, it's like he has the uh, uh, education of a six-year-old. You know, you have, to, you have to, I mean, there's a difference between, if you put him and, like, Peters together, and you, you see them both talking, you can see a huge difference in the vocabulary that they use. Okay, definitely. So it's, it's sort of, I, yeah. Yeah, so I just think, I just think Draymond Green is a clown, you know, and I think he's going to definitely, he's definitely, if he does anything more stupid, he's, he's definitely going to hurt Golden State's chances. You know, I mean, um, we'll see what happens. I mean, with him, he's, he, he, you never know what's going to happen. He's sort of like uh, a Dennis Rodman, per se, you know. He can get under your skin, he can do, he can do the things he needs to do, but if he goes over the line, he's going to hurt your team. You know what I mean? All right, yeah. I mean, should be. we'll see what happens with that, and it should be interesting to see. But uh, kind of going to end this night on a lighter note. Uh, I don't know if you listen to Bill Simmons, uh, his podcast. He's a diehard Celtics fan. Uh, I was listening to him. Uh, he had Malcolm Gladwell on last week, and they were kind of talking about uh, the whole uh, Seattle franchise at that it's probably inevitable that Seattle's going to get a French, the NBA franchise back. And they were kind of talking about uh, how construction is measured in, across the world. Uh, construction is basically measured by uh, the amount of cranes that are put up in a, in a city. So they were saying that of all the major cities in North America, Seattle has the most cranes going up. So they said basically their whole take on it that it's inevitable that Seattle's going to get an NBA franchise at some point, expansion franchise, in the next maybe three or four years. But uh, kind of going back on their point, it kind of had me thinking, uh, how fucking fun and how fucking amazing would that uh, Oklahoma young Oklahoma City team have been? How fun would they have been in Seattle? I mean, just like an emerging tech market, one of the better cities to live in in the world in the in the country. I mean, to me, it kind of thought like brought up like a little bit of this Warriors incarnate incarnation, a tech heavy city, one of the tech powers in the country, very young, exciting players. I mean, how how fun would they have been to watch in, in a market like Seattle? You can't even compare it, dude. You, you wouldn't be able to compare it. That would have been a huge, huge, huge market for them, dude. In Seattle, you take, like you said, tech of Microsoft. Uh, Microsoft is there. You have Apple. You know, that's the money is there. Amazon. You know, Amazon the is money. another big one over there. Amazon. Yeah, there's another one. Yeah, the, the money is there. Google is there. You know, you have so many different things. that uh, it, There's money, dude. And it comes down to money. Seattle is a very young city, very young crowd. I mean, look at the Seahawks. You know, every game they sell out. You know, I mean, same thing, that stadium would have just sold out. I don't know what the deal was when that, with the whole stadium and all, and that's why they moved. The city wouldn't pay, but it's sort of like, you know, if they just, in hindsight, if they decided, hey, you know what, let's just pay the money for the stadium, they would have got tenfold in return. You know, and I think they made a huge mistake. But, yeah, if you think about it, with a young team like that, a Westbrook, a Durant, um, a Harden at that time, you know, they would have been amazing to watch. I mean, they would have sold out. Uh, they would have made so much money there, you know. And eventually Seattle will get a team back, you know, because that market is there. You know, the market is there. I mean, yes, they have a lot of the high-rises. They have a lot there. And then I think the NBA made a mistake in that when they moved it. I think because they gave the owners a little, I think the, they let the, the owners move it, but what the NBA should have just decided, you know what, you're staying there. Yeah, because the potential to gain more money is there. And then you've seen it now. And I, I think eventually they will get a team again, you know, maybe in three, four years. But, but, but yeah, you I mean, if you go back, I think they made a huge mistake by letting them leave Seattle and not getting that stadium built. Yeah, it took me back to the 2012 finals when I mean that was an exciting series as is, but uh, I just I just think to myself I mean how just how much more of an impact, how much more intriguing it would have been. I mean, if Seattle versus Miami, I mean you have there the longest I be I believe flight distance, flight time in the country for like for NBA teams. 
I'm pretty sure if Seattle, Miami, and back forth, and that would have just been, I mean, spectacular. I mean, but, and it's an absolute shame that Seattle, such an, a great NBA city, had to lose it, lose their team to basically uh, Oil Maven in Oklahoma City, and he just basically moved the team right away, right after buying it. And it's kind of, I think, in my opinion, an absolute absolute ludicrous that one of those tech guys in seattle that, that didn't step up at the time i mean you look at steve Ballmer ultimately bought the clippers but uh he definitely would have been a, a good candidate in my opinion to kind of uh take over this the sonics at that point from howard schultz the founder of starbucks what i mean do you think i mean it's absolute shame that there's a team not a team there and there's definitely that's definitely got to be the first uh city that the nba if they decide to have an expansion team at some point, that's definitely the first city on the chopping block. So well, definitely uh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. With that being said, uh, that'll, that'll do it for this edition of the Z ball podcast. Akshay, thank you so much for coming on. It's always a pleasure. Thank you for having me, bro. For sure. And everyone, thank you so much for listening. I'll be back in a couple weeks with some more NBA and uh, some more NCAA March Madness as well. And I look forward to seeing you guys then. Thank you. All right. Thank you, man.